Hi, welcome to Leadership with Randy. I'm Randy Powell. You know, we don't have grace for ourselves. We're not giving ourselves space to heal, we, you know, and we're not giving us uh, ourselves space to grow. And th that's how eventually we become so bitter and then uh, so angry because we are constantly just being so mean to ourselves because it, it does matter how we talk to ourselves. Uh, my goal now with the Freedom Project is to show other people that, hey, you are not the only one, you, you are not alone. There's literally a big group of people that are dealing with the same experiences, uh, maybe not at the same level, uh, but like there are people dealing with this. Our guest today is Abrima Abraham Sise, founder of the Freedom Project. Abrima grew up in the West African country of Gambia, where he faced overwhelming adversity pursuing his dream to play professional soccer. Eventually gave up that dream and made his way to the United States to pursue his education and escape the trauma he faced as a child. After school, he founded his own company, now he's channeled his experiences and his passion for mental health advocacy into the Freedom Project, his powerful and positive way to impact his community. Let's go learn more about Abraham and his journey. All right. Well, good morning. It's great to be together. It's a beautiful Thursday. And so hopefully you have a chance to get outside and enjoy uh, uh, this early spring day. It's going to be awesome out. And I've been excited for some time to spend time with Abrima Abraham Cisse. Did I say that close enough, right? Yeah, you yeah, you did. You did. Definitely passed the test. <laughs> We've been practicing a few, few right. times we got together, but uh, he has an amazing story and is really committed both to his work, which is fantastic, but also a project he calls the Freedom Project, which is a really big contribution he is making to the community to help folks focus on mental health. But I really want to go way back. Your journey starts in Gambia, mm -hmm. which I believe most folks on here probably aren't familiar with and have never visited. Uh, yeah. It's a, a coastal country in Western Africa. Why don't you tell us a bit about your early journey in Gambia and what life is like in Gambia? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, thanks for having me here. You know, um, I, did, I I had no idea like what to expect. So uh, I'm happy that I have an audience because I love talking to people. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, um, I actually grew up in like West Africa. It's a, it's a very small island inside a country that's its own country called Gambia. Uh, and back then, you know, um, we had like a million people. I think now we're close to 1.5. Uh, so they're like growing pretty fast. Uh, but yeah, so I like grew up there playing soccer um, back in high school. Uh, um, I mean, pretty much my whole life. But my goal was to become a professional soccer player. So uh, but like growing up, you know, I had to like, you know, uh, see like people go fishing, you know, like entrepreneurship was was like a very common thing. Everyone had their own thing going on, either that's fishing or, you know, selling like used items. So it's like that's kind of like how I grew up. Uh, but yeah, um, as far as the country it, itself, everybody played soccer. It, it doesn't matter whether you were a boy or a girl or like soccer was like the thing that we all would like just come together and just hang out. And then also play. Uh, but but yeah, but for me, you know, somehow I was really good at it, but I wasn't very passionate about it. So my parents were supporting me and I'm like, I guess I'll do this. And then I eventually, you know, got some opportunities, which like um, almost got me into, uh, you know, becoming like a Puma athlete. But but then I never actually got to that, uh, which, you know, due to trauma and a bunch of uh, other experiences that kind of um, I got to me uh, at a very young age when I was like, I believe, 
uh, 11 going 12, you know, my best friend back then, I, you know, now that I'm saying the story again, I was like, why am I like, like having pauses and stuttering? Like I've said this, <laughs> like this, like version so many times, but uh, I guess I need to go back to therapy and talk to my therapist because I thought I was over this. But anyway, um, so uh, my best friend back then, um, you know, when I was picked to actually become like a Puma athlete, we like went to the beach to uh, um, like hang out and just celebrate. And it was my idea for everybody else to come to the beach with me. Uh, and then he ended up drowning. So when that happened, you know, uh, me as a little kid, I had to go back and tell his mom. And that was like the worst experience ever. Like the mom was yelling at me. And so I just, I just kind of made it my fault. You know, I was like this, you know, I was the reason why he drowned because I kind of selfishly asked him to come to the beach with me. Cause that's what we do back in Africa. Whenever you have something going on, I, 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 not the whole continent, but just West Africa, uh, especially Gambia, we would go to the beach and like, so, you know, just have fun. So he drowned and I had, uh, as a little kid, I experienced that, but then I didn't really have any outlet to like talk about it because back in Africa, mental illness, whenever you hear someone has mental illness, it's like a guy with a really like dirty, like dreadlocks. They're always getting chased or dragged to the mental facility. So to me, you know, back then I didn't have mental illness, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, I went through something very like traumatic especially watching it happen and trying to save my friend. Uh, but, you know, we were just little kids and the tides were very strong. And um, so, yeah, I, I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. You know, I wanted to talk about this, but I didn't really know how to talk about it. Um, you know, that was in a space created. I did try one time to kind of tell my parents like, hey, something is wrong with me. I'm not really sure what it is. Is that it, it, uh, and then you know I I remember and I and I was very young. My dad saying, "Hey, just you know pray about it. You know it's gonna be all right." I was like, "Pray about what?" Like I just wanna like understand what is wrong with me. So while I was going through that, I I I also ended up getting molested by like one of our coaches, and this is where it, you, you know like the physical like manifestation of trauma like actually became a stutter because I, I felt like. I was being silenced for so long because I wanted to talk about all these things, but I didn't really know how to talk about it. And then this thing also happened. And then along the line, I also found out that a bunch of other kids in the team were also getting molested, you know, including my friend actually passed away, like his brother ended up telling me. So it's like, you know, I felt like I didn't have a, you know, a voice to even speak up against, against this guy because he's like one of it's someone who sponsors the team. And he's someone that everyone sees as this guy who is awesome. And, you know, he's he's like around uh, pretty much all the good causes that you can imagine in the neighborhood. So I, I, I didn't really know what to say. So the stress of dealing with that actually became a stutter. So pretty much my whole life until six years ago, I had a really bad stutter where um, I would literally like hit on things just to speak. And, you know, um, slowly by uh i mean as the years go you know kind of go by i i went from having a very like big personality to becoming like a very introverted person and that's how i became a developer because i was afraid to be like in front of people and i figured what's the best way for me to uh survive and 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 keep like you know, doing the things that I do. So, so I went into becoming a programmer and, and then being behind the scenes and always working that way. 
But after that, that, that like trauma experience, I decided to quit soccer because it was just trauma, you know, like traumatizing for me because I was having like a bunch of panic attacks and I wasn't able to actually complete, you know, the Puma like sponsorship. So I, you know, I was dropped from that. So it was like, oh, I thought I was good. Now I'm, now I'm being dropped. So it was the, all these things were happening. So uh, I'm going to stop there because, you know, I, I feel like I'm just going to attention there. <laughs> but yeah. Well, that's, that's a lot to contemplate. Know, sorry, there. guys. How, uh, how old, how old were you at this point in time in your life? Um, so, um, when the molestation happened, I, I was around like 12 going 13. And then I, I actually officially quit soccer when I was 15 years old. Cause at that point I was having like panic attacks and I didn't really know why they were happening. And, uh, but uh, but now today, I guess after knowing what I know now, you know, I was able to understand that it was due to that person that was always present there. And, you know, I was literally having panic attacks, uh, like subconsciously, I was afraid of being in a space that people are going to know what I know. And that was, you know, very like, you know, it's not it's not like the best highlight of my life. So so I was trying to keep that secret to myself. But whenever I turn around, this person is there. So I would literally have panic attacks. So yeah. Um, now I forgot the question. <laughs> I have to share that again. It, you know, so many folks go through different mm -hmm. variations of what you've experienced. It sounds like for you, it was very lonely. Like there was no one you could talk to about yeah. what was going on in your life. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just the culture in like in like Africa, uh, especially in the West, because that's where I am more familiar with. Um, when it comes to parents and their kids, that there is zero communication. Like you know, you have to listen the whole time when your parents are talking. Uh, I mean, that the, that's why you know, uh, six years ago, if I was here. I'll probably just be like this the whole time and it's going to be a very boring call, <laughs> but it's, it's like, you know, you know, that's how we were brought up. You know, you have to listen to your elders and, you know, no matter what they say, it's law and you just have to listen. But as a little kid, you know, or, you know, like a genial, I had things that I, you know, I wanted to talk about. And this happens to be this really horrible experiences that happened to me. But that space was never created for me to sit down and say, hey, dad, I need to talk to you. This is what happened. Uh, but and I didn't really know how to communicate that. And I was just ashamed. So uh, as far as support, you know, I had a great family like my dad. You know, he, he works all the time. And, you know, my mom was a full time mom and, you know, she was taking care of, you know, eight kids and she was very young back then. So it's like they were very busy. You know, they were trying to make things happen. So as far as support, I didn't even know that I needed the support that I know that I need now, you know, especially from a parent, because we all grew up just, you know, that, you know, that's just life back then. You know, you don't really know what you think, you know, until you actually experience it. You're like, oh, my God, this is what I needed back then. Uh, yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say that, you know, that wasn't much support, but I had really great parents. Uh, they just didn't know how to show that support as well. I think what came to mind when you and I first met two mm -hmm. or three months ago, and I went back and reflected on it, you, you told me your soccer performance started to suffer and the coaches were yelling at you. You're not focused. Mm -hmm. I don't wonder how often there are people around us who are struggling 
you know, they may not seem focused at work. They may not be doing their best at Mm -hmm. their sport or whatever. And instead of taking the time to ask and find out why we just assume we know why. And Mm -hmm. so your coaches thought things about you that weren't necessarily true. They thought you weren't focused. They thought you weren't giving your best. Talk a little bit about just what that opportunity might've been like if a Mm -hmm. coach had talked to you rather than yelling at you. No. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, I actually had to move from one school to another because, you know, my team knew me as this really good soccer player, a really good soccer player, but it's, it's like, you know, they were just expecting me to perform and I was in a really dark place. And to me, it's like, um, what I needed was for my coach to see that, uh, and, and be, be like able to address it. Not, not like to baby me or like whatsoever. It's just that back then I, I didn't really know what, what the heck was wrong with me. I was dealing with so many things and, you know, I was developing a stutter and, and then my uh, teammates do, you know, they don't know better. So they were literally making fun of me for having a stutter. So whenever I would speak, try to say something, you know, my teammates are making fun, but like, it, it's, it, you know, it's not that they are mean people. It's just that they just don't know what's going on with me either. So I would just laugh with them too, but but then deep down I, I was I was like, oh my god, like what's happening? Like uh, that's how my performance started, like you know, I actually suffering because I I I um remember some really like embarrassing moment where we had like really you know like people coming out to scout players and I'm like looking at the ball, like, like trying to kick it and like miss it. And like, that, that's like the most embarrassing thing you can do in soccer. And then the whole, like, you know, like stadium is laughing and, uh, and, you know, and, and then after that, I kind of convinced my parents to take me to another school because uh, you know, I didn't want to go back to that, to that space. And that's how I ended up just quitting soccer. Cause when I went to the other school, I was so bad at soccer. And then I was just like, Oh my God, what's happening. And then, you know, even the coaches in the new school, you know, they also expected me to like perform. They're like, okay, we've heard about this kid, you know, you know, we've seen him play. And, and then I was like, I don't want to play soccer anymore, but I didn't know how to communicate that. So I just went right, right back into it. But, but to me, soccer just became a very uh, toxic environment because, uh, you, you know, the experiences that I, that I went through was not safe. You know, it, it, I, I didn't get the support from the coaches or my teammates. Uh, and, you know, that's not their fault. It's just that the, you know, the environment that they grew up in, you know, doesn't create space for men in general, especially in sports to like sit down and have a conversation and, and like go over like their like emotions and like, just talk about like, how's your spirit? Like, what are you doing? Uh, um, um, I mean, what's going on home? Like, because, you know, the culture that we, we, we have is like, when you come to work, just keep it at work. When you go to home, keep it home. But, but the thing is, this person has to go home and deal with all these things and then come back to work and they bring all those those negative like like um like emotions in their workplace and that's affecting their work you know the 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 day-to-day tax so to me it was the same when i was playing soccer i was constantly uh just having like you know like flashbacks from especially with my friend dying that was like the biggest thing to me because i was blaming myself and saying that this is my fault because his mom was crying to, uh, and then you know, yelling at me and saying, why did I, why did you take my son here? And then I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, we, we're just having fun. And uh, unfortunately he like drowned. So I didn't have that 
coach or or my parents to to sit down and say, hey, this is not your fault, okay? You know, you, you know, this is out of your hands. You know, don't don't um, don't like make it your 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 like uh, fault. And I kind of identify myself as all you know all those mistakes that I've done. And slowly, literally, uh, as the year um, kind of goes by, I kept you know shifting from this very high personality. You know, this kid that was always out there just like very like you know um very good with people to becoming very like introverted like it was such a weird transition and I, and I was the only one seeing that happening and and me as a little kid that was impacting me and my personality and how I see things and I was very lonely for sure and I didn't really think I'll be here today even talking to you guys so to me that, that's why now I constantly talk because I, I, I was mute for so long and now I can talk. So sorry, guys, I don't I don't know how to stop. I'll do my best and stop now. <laughs> that's just such a huge burden for a 12 year old to a 15 year old to have to carry alone. And an unfair burden to carry that guilt that it's mm -hmm. your fault when it's really not. Um, yeah, So that's just mm -hmm. a lot. So somewhere in this journey, then you got the idea to leave Gambia and come to the United States. Talk about where that came from and how you made your way here. Yeah. So I was actually like plotting a way to leave the, the continent because I felt like that's the only way that I can kind of like have a different start over. So I wanted to start over my whole life. So I literally convinced my dad and told him, hey, look, I want to come back and work for you. Like I did a whole pitch because I've always been very like, you know, like business minded. So I did a whole pitch deck and I found schools all over the, you know, like the US uh, and I wanted to go to Maryland because my best friend at the time was leaving there. And, um, you know, he, he like kept sending me pictures of snow. I've never seen snow before, you know, I'm just, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, sure. Like, I, 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 and then I told my dad, you know, I want to go to, to the US. And like educate and become a, a, like an awesome accountant and I'll come back and help you because I noticed that one of his biggest problems was like finding a good accountant, someone that he can trust. So I was like, well, um, you know, I'm his son, so I, I can be the best accountant, someone that he can trust, because if I do anything and back in Africa, you know, you like beat your kids, uh, you know, your, your child, even when they're 40. So if I mess up, he can just grab the belt. <laughs> so um, and then I was like, hey, look, um, I want to go to the US, you know, become an accountant and come back and help you. But that was just a way for me to get out of there. And what and he was like, OK, cool. I'm going to pay for your trip. And then he like sponsored like the, the, you know, the first three months of me being in the US. So that's how I got here. I was genuinely trying to run away from Africa because everything that I that I knew about myself was not true. Not true. That, that's because of insecurities and like or dealing with all these things. And, and I wanted to start over to start a new personality. But when yeah, so it's like that's how I ended up here. Before we jump here to the U.S., Kurt has mm -hmm. a question about your time growing up. Let's go to Kurt. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks, Abram, for uh, for sharing your story. It's courageous, and we appreciate that. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, you had mentioned, I think, one time when you came home, and this was after your day at the beach and, and mm -hmm. being yelled at by your friend's mother, the thing that your folks repeatedly said to you, I, I think I heard was pray, just pray. Yeah. 
Can you share the role of faith in your family as you were growing up and has that evolved or where's, where are you at with that now? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so I actually grew up like, you know, all like half of my family. Uh, so my grandpa had three wives that, that, you know, that was very common in his time. Uh, you know, my dad used to say that he's like one of the lucky, you know, people (laughs) that had three wives, but, but, you know, after his time, you know, you know, it became like illegal. Uh, but he had three wives. So two of them were Muslim and one is Christian. So my family is like mixed, but, but like prayer is like the biggest thing. We, we, we would go to church and go to, 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 to like mosque. That, that was like the most confusing thing as a kid. And I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm like doing all both like religion. So growing up, you know, you always have to pray about everything. Like everything you do, it's praying. And to me, my, my uh, step grandma was someone that had a lot of influence, influence on me. That's why I even go with uh, Abraham in my name, because that's the Christian version of it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, and I love the way that she used to talk to me. And, you know, she was the only person that I would notice grace when I share things to her. Uh, not that my parents are bad people. It's just that the way that they go about things, it's just like, go pray. And I'm just like, but I want to talk. And, you know, my step grandma had like this very beautiful, like relationship with her kids and they were you know, just different. And I noticed that. So I, w- I would always gravitate to her. And then she would call me Abraham. And, and I was like, I love that. You know, it's the same as Ibrahim and Abraham. And I, I decided to add that in my name. So that's why now I put the like parentheses just to like, kind of like shout out to my grandma. <laughs> but like, you know, talking to me back in those days, oh, my step grandma, my grandma would be pissed if she heard me say grandma. <laughs> but like my step grandma back then. So uh, now me today, you know, um, I don't even identify as a Muslim anymore. Like my parents are constantly reminding me like, Hey, are you praying? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm praying, but not the kind of praying that you think I'm doing. So I try to be very like respectful and have grace towards them because that, that's the religion that they've known their whole life. And even though I'm not practicing that anymore, you know, you know, I, I, I like try to have that grace and be like, Hey, you know, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but this is not what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> it's like the most interesting thing, but praying was, was very common and which I do till still today, even before this call, I like prayed. Cause I was like, I don't know what to expect. I was like, I'm just going to pray uh, b- b- before this call. And that's something that I do before I drive. And like, it, it got, it, it like got to a point where, you know, my friends would literally say, what are you saying? Because I'm saying it became a normal thing before drinking water because like back in Africa you have to pray and give thanks for everything you do when you wake up when you put up your socks when you get dressed you thank you you like thank for the clothing that you have on and yeah so that was why praying was like the go-to answer but sometimes people just need to talk especially in my in my case I just wanted someone to hear me out because something horrible happened to me and I was blaming myself and I needed someone to be like okay let's talk so yeah, hope, hopefully that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's helpful. Thank you. Hopefully that the faith has continued to evolve. So very nice. Thank you. No, definitely. Let's go over to Steve. There we go. Steve, I lost him here. There you are. <laughs> I'm back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're back. I thought I saw you on a mountain recently. I know, right? I don't know how he does that. <laughs> he has a portal in his bedroom, just flying different places. But anyway. yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Randy, thanks again for a great uh, lessons in leadership. Uh, so Abraham, mm-hmm. I had a brother who uh, stuttered. Uh, one of my great regrets in life was uh, 
making fun of my brother for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost him in our thirties. So I never had mm-hmm. a chance as an adult to say how stupid that was, but sort of that, that's just as, uh, as a side, mm-hmm. Abraham, I may have missed it. Uh, maybe you had someone who gave you support throughout your journey, but I, I'm wondering, uh, what, what was your, uh, self-talk to yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, that you probably still have that helps you overcome your uh, challenges. Yeah. Well, um, you know, um, my, my brother still makes, makes fun for me, uh, like at me, cause you know, I still have a stutter sometimes it will uh, come out at the weirdest moments ever. And my accent will become so different, <laughs> but yeah. Um, uh, so I never really had a self-talk. I was just mainly trying to run away until six years ago is, is when I, when the narrative towards myself changed, uh, because I was introduced to therapy. Um, and I actually went to therapy because, um, uh, my ex back then was constantly reminding me like, you, like you need help. (laughs) And then I was like, no, I, I, I don't need help. I'm fine. Uh, but you know, she was saying that because, um, I, you know, she was like one of my first girlfriends and uh, she was the first person who like accepted me for who I was. She accepted the stutter and she was like the most like supportive human being I've ever witnessed. And somehow I just kind of depended on her for everything. And I expected her to do like pretty much all the things that I I never experienced. And whenever uh, she did not, I, I, you know, I get disappointed or, or I get angry. And then, you know, but then she kept like emphasizing that I need to help, but like in the most loving way ever. And um, so, um, but then it got to a point, she's like, Hey, it's either you go get help or I'm leaving. And then I was like, I'm not crazy. Like, what is she talking about? <laughs> and, and, but, but then I decided to go get help. And through that journey of going to therapy, I, I, I actually learned that, you know, I didn't really love her. I love the idea of her, of her, the way that she was supporting me, the, the way that she was showing me uh, um, all the things that I was ashamed about myself. She was showing me that, hey, people can love you still with like, all these quirks that you, you have. And um, so after therapy, I, I, I like learned a lot of things, like it, even like the molestation, like my friend dying, these were memories that were so deep in my subconscious that I actually forgot about them due to the stutter that like the manifestation became, became a stutter. Like the human brain is just amazing in a very weird way, but going to therapy, it, 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 it kind of helped me remember all those things. And I got curious and I was denying it the whole time until when I called my mom and I'm saying, Hey, did I lose a friend when I was a kid? She was like, yeah, a blind job. I was like, wait, what? I'm saying, how did I forget that? And then, you know, I got more, more into therapy. And at the same time, I started going to church out, out in Lee Summit while I was doing all of these things. And then whenever I would go to church and I was going to church because of this girl, because I wanted to get back. With her. <laughs> and then it's like the whole time through therapy. That's what I, you know, that was my intention. But the therapist and the, this pastor, they were saying different things. And then I felt like someone was paying them to like, you know, dig, dig into my life and say all these things. And um, yeah, so it's like I decided to just keep going to therapy and like learning more about myself. And one thing led to another. I literally like, you know, the stutter just went away and that kind of blew my mind. I was like, wait, what's happening here? Why, 
why did I lose this stutter? Like I, I like started talking with more confidence because, you know, I kind of put two and two together that I was able to be where I am today because I'm, you know, able to understand that I am not my mental illness because I made it my identity for so long. You know, it, it was all just an experience, something that I went through as a kid, but it is not who I am today. And going to therapy and, and experiencing like the spiritual like aspect of healing as well combined just kind of helped me understand that, you know, I was making this my identity the whole time. So now it's like I, I'm constantly like reminding myself, uh, I guess you would call that a self-talk now, is that I'm constantly reminding myself like, hey, you know, you know, either that's a job or like an account that I'm working on because I, I, I do software work. I do advertising. Sometimes, you know, you like lose a client. I would just say, well, you know, it's it, you know, this is not my identity. You know, it's it, it's something that I was working on and it didn't work out. And it is what it is. So now I, I apply that to everything. You know, you know, this is an experience It's not who I am. So I'm not going to make it my identity. Uh, so that helps me keep going to the next thing and not just, you know, blame myself right away. Cause we do that whenever we like lose a client or lose a friend and we're like, Oh my God, this is my fault. And you know, we don't have grace for ourselves. We're not giving ourselves space to heal, you know, and we're not giving us uh, ourselves space to grow. And that's how eventually we become so bitter. And then, uh, so angry because we are constantly just being so mean to ourselves because it, it does matter how we talk to ourselves. And uh, so now, yeah, it's just like, hey, you know, yeah, I'm going to pray, but I'm, I'm going to also know that this is not my identity. You know, it's not who I am. It's just an experience. And um, tomorrow is going to be another day. Like I can literally die today. Why do I have to make this my identity? <laughs> like there is more to life than just like, you know, me, 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 me. So, Yeah. Thanks for the question, well, by the way. Uh, that, that helped you, me answer something in my head. <laughs> Abraham, you referred to your identity multiple yeah. times in that response. So mm -hmm. what is your identity? What, what's your, what are your values? Uh, I mean, um, that's why I even created the Freedom Project, because I saw that there was more to life than me and me putting myself in this box and just blaming myself and, think, you know, just assuming everything and, and then thinking that, you know, you know, my parents know what I'm going through or my friends know what I'm going through because I was just making it about myself. So now literally whatever I do, a lot of people don't don't even know who's behind the Freedom Project. Not that I'm trying to like make myself sound cool, but they don't even know who, who the people are until they eventually talk to me, uh, because now, you know, I value just being being able to uh, uh, connect with other human beings and help them experience, not like help them because I can't literally help anyone. I can just tell my story and if they find a connection through my story, I'm hoping that, you know, but not like having having like expectations, but just hoping that they will hear me and then, can, you know, see themselves uh, depending on what what part of the story that I'm sharing. And hopefully that will bring them some value. So now I just value like human connection and I value people uh, to basically experience what I experienced, like from a kid from Africa going through all these things to becoming who I am today you know, conquering the stutter, because we do, we all do have a form of stutter in our own lives that we're dealing with. And we, we, we identify with it. And it's like crippling us. So to me, it's just like, hey, there's hope out there. And we just need to be brave enough to actually see what the problem is. 
And I, I don't even consider it a problem because the problem, you know, makes it our fault. But if we see it as a, an experience, but not our identity, like this experience that went that happened to us as a kid or like an adult, or even today, you know, that kind of helps us just shift our personality from it because this helps us not to just like feel like we have to just come and save everybody because we can. I feel like this kind of, you know, I get this from like spiritual aspect where, you know, you take yourself from things because you can come in and just try to save everybody because people are going to do what they want to do anyway. So the best thing you can do is just be honest and and just be vulnerable as much as you can. But you know, there's some aspect of vulnerability that you have to keep to yourself, of course, but just tell your story and just be real. Uh, I hope that makes sense. So let's, uh, let's jump to Freedom Project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are folks all around us who are doing the same things you did. They're getting up and going to soccer. They're getting up and going to work. They're getting up mm -hmm. trying to live their lives. And they may be kids who suffered sexual abuse or they may yeah. be suffering domestic violence or they may be veterans that lost people in combat and mm -hmm. they've got all this trauma that they're carrying around just like you did and sometimes even guilt mm -hmm. just like you did what have you learned from all of those different journeys of folks you've met with that help mm -hmm. bring and shape this idea of freedom project that you've been really been working on for like five years I know it's, it's, it's almost six years now too. Uh, I, I feel like at this point, I, I just became this guy on the internet who's just like, you're meant to hold this key, go get help. <laughs> but it's like, you know, like in, in like a very loving way, of course. But it's like, um, initially when I, the reason why I even started doing the Freedom Project is because, you know, my uh, um, our therapist back then recommended that I should just document myself after every session because I was very close off, like, and like a, like an African mentality. I like, I'm not going to share anything because I'm not crazy. Like, you know, that's the mindset that I had the whole time. So, but then uh, after every session, I could tell that the things that she's saying is real, but I was too stubborn to like actually respond or listen to it. So I'll, I'll just come home and like record myself and then I'll go back and watch those videos. And I'm just like, people need to see this or hear this because I'm watching myself and I'm just like, wow, like I'm like remembering more things and I'm seeing more things as I, watch my own videos and then that's the, that's when i started going to instagram and sharing and then this is something that i wasn't expecting i i shared a post and usually my post would get 100 200 but this post got like 2000 like like people reacting almost 70 comments 40 plus people were like messaging me and, I'm, and i got overwhelmed and i'm just like whoa so this is not just me because the whole time i thought it was just me dealing with with all of these issues and then now I saw almost 40 people, 70 people that are brave just sharing on social media and, and 40 people were directly messaging me like, hey, how can I find a therapist? Like, I'm just like, I don't know, like go to Google or something. So it's like, you know, I, I, I started getting all of this response and it just helped me realize because I feel like a lot of people, especially like, you know, like veterans and all this thing, because, you know, now I'm actually working with a few few like veteran like um organizations and one thing that i've learned is that you know they you know they think they don't they're the only one dealing with this in their community uh but it's it, it, you know the problem is so like universal at this point because you know trauma or ptsd it, it can be in a form of you know just you waking up in the morning you know i try not to like diagnose so don't take anything that i'm saying seriously right now <laughs> uh but yeah it's, it's like when you wake up in the morning 
you know, like trauma can be anything that, you know, just a thought of going back to something that you're not happy about and then waking up, you know, brushing your mouth in a very dreadful way and then dressing up, but you're not happy about going to this place, but you have to anyway, because you have to take care of X, Y, Z, like trauma can happen in that. And then driving to work and then the, the high stress. So all of these things, you know, you know, it, it, even though they're more mundane, you know, it, you know, but, but happening every day, you know, we can experience trauma in that way. So it's like uh, my goal now with the Freedom Project is to show other people that, hey, you are not the only one, you, you are not alone. There's literally a big group of people that are dealing with the same experiences, uh, uh, maybe not at the same level, uh, but like there are people dealing with this. And, and, and my goal is to connect them through story where, where you, you get to watch something because I was watching myself in videos and I can hear things and I was watching other people that were voluntarily sending me their stories. And, um, and this where people, they were just volunteering doing that because they saw the post that I did. Uh, yeah, so it, it's like um, my my journey now. It's like um, initially it was just to do one video, and now it became a global project. And this was not intentional. Every day I'm just like, what am I doing? I should go and work and do something else. But this thing, it's it, it like it, it became so big that I don't even know uh, why. I mean, I know why now it became big because people just want to tell their story. Like a lot of people, I in, in uh, they've never heard anyone like you know give them space and and it's, and usually men we don't have anyone that you know usually you know create space and most of us don't know how to create space ourselves because we're like the protector you know we're the provider so we always have to maintain that image uh, so we don't know how to create that vulnerable space and just just be honest and just share what is it is going on like what's going on you know in my head like how's my spirit like how can i talk about like today, this happened at work, and and it 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 actually hurt me, and these are things that we are constantly like experiencing, and we think it's just us dealing with them, but like you know the shared like experience kind of help us uh, know that okay, this is not just me. Now I can feel safe and talk to this other man that I I know and respect and call them whenever I'm 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 seeing the signs and be like hey. I need to talk to you. Are you are you are you available? Let's 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 meet at a bar or let's meet somewhere and just have a conversation because I need to talk to someone. Because these are things that we need because we spend a lot of time in our heads and thinking that it's just us. So that's the goal of the Freedom Project, just to let, help people understand that this you are not the only one. There are people out there that are ready to help out, and we just want to connect both worlds together and just create something amazing. So you did the introductory video of Freedom mm -hmm. Project a couple months ago. You released that. Mm -hmm. What has been the response from folks? You know, have you heard from people that that impacted them and reminded them that it's okay to talk and it reminded them that they're not alone? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially on the YouTube channel. We we had so many people that were leaving comments when I dropped the video. Uh but it's it's like that like initial video got me like connected to Kevin Love, like the Cavalier point point guard, because, you know, he's someone that actually witnessed, you know, actually had a like a panic attack while he was playing basketball, where he was like, I mean, he felt like he was going to die in the middle of the game. But everything was just like like an imagination, you know, just for a lack of better words. But, you know, he felt like he was dying because the panic attack was so extreme. And he literally fell down during the game, ran to the locker room. And this is something that I know 
because uh, I've been there. And, you know, when he saw my story, he's like, yo, this is me. And, you know, you know, I was able to get, you know, actually get in contact with them. So they they gave me a title. I don't I honestly don't know what it means, but I'm like a mental health hero for them. I don't know what it means till, till, till today. So Kevin, if you guys are watching this, can let me know what that means. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's it, it, it's like that one video um, has been taking me to places. And it's, it, you know, because whenever I share it, most of the time, um, one person will share it to their boss in their company. And then the boss will see it and, and they're like, wow, I, I didn't even know there was someone doing out this video. Just two days ago, um, I got contacted by a company called Wondermine and it's owned by Selena Gomez and it's a mental health media company. And they literally told me, we, we, we thought we're the only one doing this media thing uh, around mental illness. And we, we didn't know there was a guy for the past six years yelling on the internet that no one knows. I'm just like, yeah, that's because I'm in Kansas and uh, it's a guy named Abraham that nobody knows. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, now, you know, my goal is to get a proclamation in all 50 states because I want to take it to every state and be able to talk about mental illness very intentionally because uh, I, I feel like, you know, that's the only way that it can be part of healthcare, you know, and, and, and actually become something that, you know, it's covered by insurance, like like all these basic things that it's it's not available when it comes to mental illness. And when it comes to getting help, it's very expensive. That, that's also another thing that I had to deal with. Uh, I was paying for this service, but it was so expensive, but I kept paying for it until my psychologist, she she's the she's an amazing human. She's like, hey, you don't have to pay for this. I'm very interested in your story. Just 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 make sure you show up. And, you know, that, that's why I kept going because I could not afford it anymore. But, you know, I'm, I just consider myself as one of the lucky people. So, yeah, it's like, so the video basically, it, it's just taking me places. I, I, I don't I mean, we're here today. I, I didn't think I was going to be in this call talking to, you know, all these amazing people. So, yeah. Uh, so what comes next and what, what will Freedom Project continue to do? Will you be capturing other stories and creating more videos? Yeah. Inspiring so, stories? No, definitely. So um, now, you know, it's, it's, it's so wild because it came from just one video of myself to becoming this today. But uh, there's actually three areas to the Freedom Project. One is based around accessibility. So I'm actually building a platform. Uh, and now that I'm talking about, I, I just realized my whole life, based all the things that I've done was leading me to this, like being a developer, I was in a band playing drums because that's the only way I could communicate. So now I apply music in the Freedom Project. You know, I, I, I was a videographer and now I do film. I was a photographer now and a graphic designer. So, I, so all these things that I was just doing, I literally did pest control and it's the same model that I'm using for the Freedom Project today. And now that I'm talking about it, because back in the day, pest control each, each technician would have his own account and they would just go and service the houses. And, um, you know, they show up, do their thing, spray your house and, you know, people get excited. And I happened, you know, I, I, I had like the most like accounts in Kansas City when I was working for Blue Beetle. So now the Freedom Project on the, you know, the uh, startup side, we, we literally created a pest control model where uh, we create a video-based platform where we're uh, uh, creating a bunch of content, kind of like a masterclass platform. And then and then every morning we send people a box, which I call a gift. And it's like a self-care package for people to 
uh, not just watch videos, uh, but the whole aspect is to gamify the whole process and, and make people wait for the box to even get to them. Because one thing about healing is like, it has to be like intentional. If not, you know, it's, it's never going to work. So, it, so I want it to be very intentional on the person that's deciding to get help. Because even though me, I, I, I was able to get help, but I was forced to do it and, and I almost quit. And, I, and that's, that's very common. And usually men, we're always getting forced to go get help, but we are like, you don't even know me, like chill. <laughs> so it's, it's like, you know, so the, the uh, startup side, we're uh, uh, creating that where someone can go in to a platform and, and get together uh, like an education on mental illness. Like what is a psychologist? What's therapy? What's a therapist? Like, who do you go to? Which insurance do you use? Because this is information that, you know, the experts feel like, it's not needed to talk about, but these were the same things that I was struggling with when I wanted to go get help. I didn't know who to talk to, who's a psychologist, uh, how much it was, like who to talk to. And like all these basic questions is what I'm going to address in this video platform. And then it graduates into psychology 101, where now I'm building partnership with KU and hoping that they will like provide me all the research so that we can just have people transfer credit to KU after they graduate through the Freedom Project platform, because with, you know, with psychology, there is a very uh, like limited people going into becoming uh, uh, like social workers, therapists, because it's a very stressful environment. So my, my goal is to actually let people know what it is so that we can have more people voluntarily going in and, and becoming your, your next psychologist. And then also uh, on the startup side, I'm, I'm like working on making licensing like universal so that we don't, we can stop the, the whole, like, you know, you, you can only like perform in one state and a lot of psychologists don't make enough money so they can get licensed in every state uh, because they actually, some of them, you know, can just, you know, like uh, pay for all the licensing. It, it is very expensive or like come, come, come up with a, like a program under the Jackson County and J Johnson County Community Mental Health Funds where they actually introduce a way to actually pay the psychologists because the, the, the state budget is, is almost $625 million on mental health services, but the money is never spent. At, at the end of the year, it just get reallocated to something else. So I'm, I'm currently talking to the Community Mental Health Fund's director, uh, Bruce Eddy. He became a really cool friend of mine now. But I'm, I'm like trying to figure out how we can pass a bill where we can take care of the psychologists because a lot of psychologists like battle with the idea of I'm getting paid to help people and they ended up leaving and doing something else because they don't, they don't want to feel like they're taking money from broken people, quote unquote. So yeah, it's like that's what's happening on the startup element. But someone has to pay for that. And I've been self-funding for five, almost six years now. And uh, so I decided to create like a, 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 like a different sector, which helps me raise funds where uh, since I do video and, and, and I've been fortunate enough to interview people like, you know, John McGraw, like Dustin Colquitt. So, you know, they bring a lot of attention to the project. And now I'm talking to Kevin Love, hopefully he'll say yes. And then I, I capture their story and I do like a, you know, like an event around their story uh, with their permission, of, of course. And then I, I, I bring them in as keynote speakers or, or like guests to actually speak at the event. Uh, Jeff was here. He's actually one of the keynote speakers in my next event, uh, but I think he, he's gone. Uh, but yeah, so it, through that, I, I, I raised like money from sponsorship so that I can continue fundraising 
and then actually doing all of these stories because each, each and every production imagine a netflix series that that's kind of like the, like the production quality that i create so it's very expensive and self-funding that as a small business owner is not easy and uh yeah so those are primarily the two sectors that i'm kind of juggling that's also another side. So all the films that I'm producing, my goal is in the next three years or five years, I want to put them on Netflix because the value of the Freedom Project is eventually going to go up. And then I'm hoping that Netflix and all these other you know, streaming services will eventually be like, all right, you know what? Let's put this film on our streaming service and that will help me uh, actually get enough revenue to be able to support bills and do all these things uh, around mental illness because uh, it's very expensive to like, sponsor a bill and and find a legislature that they'll, they'll want to work with you i talked to a few in kansas city and and you know they're, they're all like yeah just just keep doing what you're doing and come back when you uh when, when you're ready to work i'm just like no i'm ready i don't have money right now but i'm ready <laughs> so it's like I'm, I'm like accepting all of that but then you know being able to find out smart ways to self like contain i mean produce the project to self-fund it and then also be able to pass bill. But now I'm hoping that with Selena Gomez's uh, potential partnership, I am trying to convince them, hopefully they're not watching this, <laughs> to like become the people that actually pass the bill because they they have uh, uh, contact with legislatures and people like, like Cory Booker, they can just do a phone call. So I'm hoping that they'll become that sector. So I don't, I don't have to do it because I don't, I'm tired. I'm literally getting gray here at this point. It actually looks cool, but that, that's why I wear a bandana. People don't know. <laughs> Uh, like, but yeah, it's 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 been a very interesting journey, and uh, so yeah, I'm hoping that they will eventually come through and take over the legislative side, and then I can focus on storytelling, and then fundraising for events and the startup section. Because the startup, I see it as a way that, you know, it, it's going to be a catalyst for people that are wanting to get help, but they're ashamed to go get help, and then they can go in at their own at their own time and just know what getting help look like, so, so that we can get rid of the stigma. Yeah, so sorry for the long-winded explanation. It's like five years of work, so I, I do my best to kind of uh, uh, like explain it as much as I can. Well, it makes sense because it's it's passionate and it's personal because you've mm -hmm. lived it. And so this isn't yeah. a hobby, it's your life. And Absolutely. you're authentic about it. And that's what's powerful. You know, there, you've brought it up several times that fear of being vulnerable, not wanting to go say you need help, not wanting to yeah. talk to people for folks that are listening and dealing with those struggles. Are there books or resources you've found over your life that helps create some courage mm -hmm. and some ability to talk? Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm actually really bad at reading. Uh, like I sometimes have to put an audio book in my ear and read at the same time so that I can focus because I have a hard time focusing. Because I do so many things at one time. So that's my phone is usually dinging or something. But when it comes to resources, I literally just go to NAMI, you know, NAMI.com. I'm sorry, NAMI.org. You know, it's it's like the mental health platform. And, you know, they have so many resources. And, you know, there's a bunch of like video platforms. Because to me, video works for me because I'm not the best at reading unless the blog has an audio format. And I just play that. that that's why I love the KC Star because they have, voice you can listen to the person read the whole article for you uh but yeah it's like as, as far as like resources i've literally like relied on nami because they, they they i feel like they have the best platform and when video works for you it's like 
there's a YouTube channel called Psych to Go, and basically the idea is to just go in, onto the channel and watch educational content. There, there are people that I'm hoping that they'll eventually come on as partners because they have such a huge library. But but it's all like animated content, animation. Uh, but yeah, so um, but being able to get help, you know, I I back then back then I was not I, I was such in a dark place. I feel like a lot of people are in the same place. They they don't have time to even think that reading a book or like doing self you know self development you know action to actually get help. So with me, it was like, I was just very, like, I, I was, I, I was in a place where I like realized that if I don't get help, I could easily become one of those guys in the, uh, by the highway with a cardboard asking for help because I was actually homeless for a bit and, and I really needed to get help. And I just opened my mind to it, even though I had so much stigma going towards it, I was very judgmental to the therapist. I felt like she just wanted to get my money and and you know didn't really care about how i really uh am so yeah you know just being open-minded but i have been trying to read a few books for the past year and i've never like passed the first 50 pages um but yeah um i, I don't even remember the title that's how bad it is but now you know i'm gonna try to uh, start sharing that later uh, but yeah psych to go and nami has been a great resource because NAMI has the biggest library when it comes to mental health research and mental health educational materials. And, you know, um, I literally, um, I'm doing a, a keynote speak there tomorrow. Uh, it's a, like, it's so crazy. Uh, so they actually, uh, um, I, I, I got connected to them a year ago, and then I did a mental health virtual 101 with them, where I brought in John McGraw. So, you know, uh, I felt like it was supposed to be my talk, but John took the whole, you know, because John is an awesome athlete and former Kansas City Chiefs captain. So it was like, uh, you know, they were, they were like, now we introduce John, number 47. And I was like, where's the energy when you guys introduce me? <laughs> but yeah, and it, you know, so it's like, uh, so I did that with them. And, and this Friday, I'm, I'm, they actually invited me to come to their office in, in Topeka. Uh, funny story, I, I thought it was supposed to be a virtual call until yesterday, and I learned that, oh, I have to be there in person. Oh, my God. Okay, cool. So uh, it's like a last minute thing. So I'm going to go to Topeka, do a keynote speak. Uh, that'll be my first ever keynote speak, and I'm supposed to talk about hope. Uh, I watched so many videos of hope, and I always, I'll always end up falling asleep. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, it's going to be my first ever uh, speech. But yeah, like resources, NAMI and Psych2Go, they're like my favorite they they have a huge library when it, when it comes to understanding what mental illness and mental health is all about and how to get help. So based on all you've learned with this journey, if you could go back and see 12-year-old Abraham dealing with all mm -hmm. that guilt or 15-year-old Abraham dealing with all that rejection mm -hmm. and stress, what would you tell you? What would you tell yourself? Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, so this is something that I think about, uh, but like, I try to think about it like, you know, in like, not like in a negative way. Cause usually I will say, if I can go by, I'll just slap myself in the head. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Wake up. <laughs> yeah. But, but now like, you know, in a, in a more positive manner, you know, I, just the same thing that I said earlier, just to remind myself that, Hey, you are making this your identity. It's not who you are. You know, even though this is so hard to deal with right now, it is just an experience right now and be brave enough to like talk about it and, and, and actually, you know, be loud as much as you can, because the thing is, the more that we keep it to ourselves, the more we identify as the problem and the more we actually 
uh, a losing power and and not like in like a, a very greedy way of power, but we just lose uh, lose our own power and our own self. And we were slowly, you know, manifesting something. In my case, it was a stutter. Like the stutter was really bad. And that actually made my whole situation even worse. That's why I ended up having panic attacks because I was being made fun of. Yeah, j- just to like, you know, remind myself if I can go back, uh, it, 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 will, it, it will be just to like uh, see that this is not who you are. It's just, an, uh, you know, like an experience, not, not my identity. I wish, you know, someone told me that back then. Uh, but now, you know, now that I wish it, it would be nice to have someone talk, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of my journey and, and it lead me to where I am today. So I, I, I try to, you know, see that, see it in a, in a different light, uh, than like, oh my God, like, why did this happen to me? But like, oh my God, this happened to me. Oof, that was rough. Well, here we are today and I'm, and I'm just grateful to be alive and, uh, you know, talking to people about it and, and just sharing my story. <laughs> With a lot of really positive comments in the chat, Jenna points out how admirable it is your bravery and vulnerability. It's really hard to talk about the things you're talking about and for people to be authentic and to share their journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan really loved the, the way you explained that of it's a, your experience, not your identity. I think so many mm-hmm. of us need that reminder that our mm-hmm. experiences aren't who we are. They're just things that happen to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, of course, is a big fan of yours. Yeah, yeah. He, and uh, and Steve says you might help disrupt a broken healthcare system. So that's really <laughs> a powerful opportunity. Kurt uh, Kurt talks about the difference you're making, and really, it's uh, and and Jacob here talks about how you're changing lives, and and so I think you've found your purpose here in this mm-hmm. five now six year journey to build the Freedom Project, and it's just. Yeah going to start taking off and you really are going to have a powerful impact on, on people's lives. There are people all around us that we look at just like you going to soccer practice and going mm-hmm. to work and going to do their things every day. And we don't know the burdens they've got in those packs on their back that they're, right. they're toting around with them. And you just remind us to stop and talk and listen and, mm-hmm. and help people carry some of that load. Absolutely. No. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh... It's 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 it, it, it's a very like cold world out there. Like uh, someone inside tried to make a dad joke, but it looks like it's not hitting. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm 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 you know I'm also a new dad now. I mean I, I mean my my son is four, and uh, I you know it's it's been so nice just to be present and you know and you know see the things that I never experienced as a kid, and you know talk to my son and like you know, listen to him. Like the listening part was like the hardest part because I, I, I realized I didn't know how to listen. I, I like to talk a lot, <laughs> but my son kind of like, you know, broke me down uh, and like helped me understand that, you know, you know, listening with intent is very different than just listening to respond. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's something that has, you know, helped me in my journey because the, cause the first two years were very rough. I actually like had an investor who was my client who saw that what I was doing and 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 then was like, hey, I, I, I want to help you make this work. And he was going to give us almost like a million dollars to just go and do all of it because he also, um, you know, grew up in a very bad neighborhood and kind of claw himself out to become who he is today. And somehow we got connected and he saw me constantly talking about 
psychology and my own story and he was fascinated by it and one day he like opened up to me and told me about all the things that happened to him as a kid like molestation like literally having to see people die in his neighborhood and he and he has to go to school so it's like all these things that you know no one knows and he he decided he wants to help but then when covid came about he 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 was he actually passed away from covid and then I, I was like, all right, I got to do this for Marvin because he's the first person that believed in me. So I was just going until I became a dad. He just kind of like, ooh, come, like slow me down. Okay, I'm doing this because I genuinely believe that it is the only way that we can save the planet. Uh, because I see so many people talking about climate change, all these things, but people are trying to figure out how to pay their bills. People are trying to figure out how to get better healthcare. People are figuring out, trying to figure out how to get groceries. How do you expect them to care about the plant, uh, like, like, you know, like the forest and all these sort of things. It's like, let's take care of the people, give them access to the basic needs. I, I know a lot of people think when I say that, they're like, oh, he's left it. I'm, I'm not at all. Like, <laughs> but it's like, to me, I, I was that guy who just wanted someone to give me the basic necessity, you know, the, just give me, just show me the access. I'll, I'll get myself out there. But no one was, you know, there to show me that access, the in, access to information, to who do I go and speak to? I was literally on online and Googling and, and Google was so overwhelming because I didn't know what I was looking for and what I needed to look for. So, yeah, it's just, you know, basically giving people the access to take care of themselves. Then they'll take care of the planet because it just makes sense. If, if people are in a better state of mind, they will more likely even volunteer and, and go clean the forest or you know, I, I, so it's like, I'm, I'm like, so checked out of all of that. I'm just focusing on people and getting them access. So yeah, that's kind of like a long winded explanation. <laughs> well, great work. Appreciate all you're doing. Can't wait to see where all this takes you. I know there's big things ahead for you as you continue to positively impact lives. Thank you. Thank you. So thanks for the great work. Thanks for spending time with us today. It was awesome. I knew it would be, and uh, you were awesome as planned. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, yeah, I'm, I, w I was looking forward to it. I was going to prep for it. I was like, nah, I'm just going to go in, just like I do with everything. <laughs> and just like hang out and not, not stress it. I was going to wear a whole fedora, but I was like, no. As you can see, the two fedoras, that was me deciding. So I just hang there. <laughs> I was shocked you weren't in the fedora. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it, it became my brand now because I was like, I got to wear the fedora because people were like, oh, yeah, I'm not just Abraham. I'm Abraham with the hat. And it just kind of sure. differentiated me from, <laughs> from all the other Abrahams out there. Uh, it's all part you know, of who you are. <laughs> right? No, definitely. But yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I'm, you know, it was nice, you know, speaking here. I, I definitely wasn't expecting an audience. So it, it was nice to sharing and talking to everybody here. It, it makes sense to see people when you're talking. <laughs> so well, yeah, thank you for being with, here. Yeah. Good luck with the speech Friday. I know. And I'm excited about big that. Things to uh, come ahead and have an all awesome right, weekend. You. I know. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to wing it. So, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you. All right. Well, bye everybody. Have a good weekend. Uh -huh. Bye. I hope hearing about Abraham's inspiring story has encouraged you and increased your awareness of some of the challenges in mental health. If you or someone, you know, seems overwhelmed by the challenges of life, you don't have to face those challenges alone. You can learn more about Abrema's project at freedomprojectkc.org. Now go have an awesome day. Be courageous and make a difference in the lives of others. I'll see you again soon.